You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Today we're joined by Nick Rose. Uh, Nick is the CEO at Sustain, the Australian Food Network. And Nick joins us to talk really about the role of... um, a few things. One is um, gardening in the kind of, I guess, the the urban context. So kind of what it actually is to be an urban gardener, its role in holding us together as communities, but then also in food security. So uh, Pat, Nick kind of took us through a lot. Of, they did a huge survey. They had over 10,000 responses during the pandemic. And it certainly highlighted, I guess, the importance of, um, yeah, gardening as a as a way to um, build cohesion, as a way to actually kind of um, ensure your own food security, but I think also as a way to kind of actually meet and interact with the world. For sure. Nick's a busy man at the moment, and he was talking us through this this huge survey that they that they instigated and a lot of other organizations got behind whilst being in the car. So just picture yourself traveling through northern uh, Melbourne, I think you're heading off to Collingwood, you'll catch that. But Nick did a great job along with the organisation to capture Australia's sentiment around gardening and what it means to Australians to garden. And I think at a, a, a poignant time and something that it sounds like Nick is doing 24-7 right now, trying to really back up that survey and push for change that those voices are trying to push for or that they heard. Yeah, certainly. And kind of, you know, I think the the community is quite clearly saying that um, kind of urban gardening is is vital um, from a perspective of food security, but also from personal well-being. And I think the work that Nick is Nick is doing clearly, I think he was he joined us kind of going from one meeting to another um, really about that. Actually, how do we actually use urban land kind of disuse spaces? How do we ensure that kind of multicultural and multi ethnic um, communities have access uh, to space to grow their own food um, supplies? that are actually relevant to the way that they eat in their their communities and then also um, the role of kind of what urban agriculture um, is actually going to do around the climate emergency. Mm -hmm. And that community cohesion, I know one anecdote that I remember is doing some work at the Collingwood Children Farm and a lot of people talking about that um, particular area which was opened up for community to come down and uh, access. And a lot of people from commission flats there were, or social housing were coming down and accessing that place. But it was a lot about meeting different people from different um, backgrounds and understanding different ideas around what can be used for food and what is considered food just opened up a lot of people's minds. There was a, there was a fellow down there who's been there for 40 years named George um, and George is from Greece originally, and he's educated people over that 40 years to what he's passionate about. And without those spaces, I think it's really hard to have those conversations. And some of that data that's captured in this survey really speaks to that. And, and Nick goes into that as speaking to having a front garden versus a back garden, just how it allows you a different social interaction with, with your community and what that lends itself. So I think Nick really is pushing for um, edible cities. Well, thanks for joining us, Nick Rose. Could you tell us where this podcast finds you? Uh, so I'm on the, the lands of the Wurundjeri and the Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation uh, here in, in Melbourne, in uh, in Victoria, Australia, on a uh, kind of cloudy overcast uh, December day near Christmas. Beautiful. Sounds like you're on the run. Where are you moving about to? Uh, going across town to Collingwood at the moment, actually. So just heading down Victoria Parade past the Queen Victoria Market. 
Unreal. Um, now, the reason we got you on, on the line was that you guys uncovered some beautiful news down there, and that was what gardening can do for one's soul, one's community, but you did an interesting audit. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, so we did a national pandemic gardening survey that ran for about one month from mid-June to mid-July this year. So that was that was kind of prompted by a couple of things. One is that we as an organisation have had a long-standing commitment to an interest in edible gardening and urban agriculture. We've coordinated two national urban agriculture forums in Melbourne in 2016 and 2018 and we were scheduled to hold our third one themed care gardening and farming in the climate emergency in October 2020 however for reasons we all know all too well that had to be uh, postponed um, as so many events uh, have had to you know to, to change the that this year so um, so we want, but we wanted to continue, you know, momentum and continue building towards that. We've been meeting in a, as an organising committee with a number of uh, other uh, uh, edible gardening, urban agriculture organisations in Australia for several months. So we were wanting to, you know, continue to build momentum. So that was that was one reason. Uh, a second was that uh, one of our partner organisations, the Peak Body for Community Gardening in Australia, actually called Community Gardens Australia, had been getting reports. Uh, this is going back to sort of April, May this year of several of their member community gardens who'd been told to, you know, shut down basically and close their doors um, because they were seen as, you know, potentially a, a risky activity. And the gardeners were really wanting support to make the case that gardening and access to, you know, those spaces for people to grow their own food was an essential activity in the same way that people going to supermarkets or other food stores, you know, was deemed to be an essential activity in the context of the pandemic. So we, we did a bit of a, a letter-writing campaign to federal and state and territory health ministers, uh, you know, seeking to make that case. And in support of that campaign, we were wanting to, you know, to build evidence and garner support for just how important access to food-growing spaces uh, you know, was for people, you know, in general, at, you know, at any time in life, but particularly during, you know, this time of the pandemic. So, yeah, that was really the, the context for it. And, and, you know, there was also media reports about, you know, seedling nurseries, um, you know, running out, of, uh, running out of supplies, you know, runs on seedlings and seeds um, at Bunnings and other nursery stores. Um, so, you know, and other, you know, other, other reports about, you know, people, you know, obviously spending a lot more time at home during the lockdown and spending more time in the garden, spending more time cooking. So, yeah, just kind of bringing all that together, we just wanted to put together a survey instrument and take a bit of a, you know, a snapshot of the National Pulse at that time to, you know, try and, you know, delve a bit deeper into people's lives and experiences and perspectives on, you know, particularly with this focus on people growing their own food. So that was the... That was the context for it. Um, so that was yeah put together quite uh, yeah quite quickly in uh, in early June, and then we yeah we launched it in in mid June. Great stuff. And Nick, what did it what did it um, actually um, end up showcasing? I mean, I think obviously 
the there's a few things already in terms of what you've actually described around kind of things around food security and also around um, community and kind of um, spaces and being able to see things um, thrive in an area. I think, you know, I think during the pandemic that, you know, people's world certainly became a lot smaller. But what did the what did the survey actually kind of um, suggest in terms of from a pandemic response? But also um, maybe you can talk a little bit about how that kind of, I guess, lined up with um, kind of where urban agriculture is actually starting to go. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Um, So I guess the first thing to say is that we were pretty amazed by the response to the survey. You know, we were thinking if we could get 500 responses, you know, maybe 1,000, that would be a really great result. Um, But actually it was picked up by a national uh, gardening organisation called the Diggers, Club, which is based here in Victoria, but has members nationally, and they promoted it to their membership. And uh, as a result of that, and also some great support from one of the leading voices for this whole space in Australia, Costa Georgiatis of Gardening Australia, on you know our national broadcast to the ABC, we managed to get over 9,000 responses in total over a 30-day period, uh, 9,140 responses uh, across the country. So. So I guess that was the you know that was the first thing. It, was just, uh, it really struck a chord and resonated with with lots of people, um, and and you know and people really uh, poured forth a lot of their um, you know experiences and perspectives and uh, you know the, the deep meaning and appreciation they have for these activities in their lives. So it was, you know it wasn't simply it wasn't simply a kind of like a multiple choice survey. There was many questions where people could leave additional comments and, and go into, you know, more explanation of their answers. And we, yeah, we haven't I've done an exact total, but it was well over 25,000 individual comments, and some of those yeah. ran to hundreds of words. Like, people were really, really opened up um, in quite sort of intimate ways about, um, yeah, the importance of these activities for them uh, in their lives in, in so many ways. And I guess... That really comes to the answer to your question about what do we find? Well, we found that, um, you know, people growing their own food, community gardening, backyard gardening, urban agriculture in, in diverse forms is uh, incredibly meaningful and important and powerful for many, many, many thousands of people across Australia. And I'm sure that's true, you know, around the world um, as well. And so I guess to kind of like break that down, um, uh, we, we, we're we a health promotion charity that uh, we're a food systems organisation, sustainable food systems organisation, but our, you know, as a registered charity, our, our mission is to reduce the burden of chronic dietary related ill health through food systems intervention. So we had a, you know, a strong interest in understanding the health implications of people growing their own food, both from the perspective of uh, dietary diversity, from the perspective of food security, um, and also from the perspective of mental health and well-being. So looking at uh, those three elements and dimensions of health, um, in terms of uh, you know improving people's diets and dietary diversity, and anybody who grows their own food will know this, that um, you know, what you grow are, are vegetables and, and fruits, um, and I can't remember the exact figures, but a, a very large proportion of respondents were growing at least seven different types of fruits and vegetables. Um, you know, from leafy greens to, you know, fruiting vegetables to, to root crops. Um, uh, and about, you know, two-thirds of, of respondents were actually growing some type of fruit, um, be it, you know, stone fruits or, or berries. And a further third were actually having chickens and, and raising eggs. 
So, so that was a you know the first from the first perspective of improving people's diet and, and access to nutritional foods and, and fresh foods because the food you grow yourself and go out and pick and eat that same day is you know as fresh as it can possibly get. Um, uh, you know these activities are, are really important. Um, you know from from that that you know dietary nutritional health perspective. From a food security perspective. We did ask people to estimate how much of their own um, their own food in those categories they they felt they were growing from their gardening activities, and so what we found there is that you know there were a number of quite experienced and and quite proficient gardeners, um, uh, around about 14% of the total who said who estimated they were growing 30% or more of their own food of their own food in those categories. Uh, some in comments suggested they were, you know, producing up to 80% or more of their own fruits and vegetables from their gardening activities. And what was really interesting about that from a food security perspective is that of that group who were the most um, proficient gardeners, um, nearly half of them were uh, from households from low income brackets. So another part of the survey was a series of demographic questions and one of those was to uh, inviting people to you know place themselves in household income brackets in Australia and you know we had a, a significant number of respondents who were who stated their household income as being $50,000 or less which is actually the poverty line in Australia for a family of four and uh, there was a yeah, strong correlation between the most uh, proficient gardeners uh, and and people, you know, from low-income households, as I, as I mentioned, nearly nearly half of those who said they were growing 30% or more of their own food came from those, you know, that low-income bracket. So what we conclude from that is, and this is affirmed again by, you know, many, many comments, is that having access to spaces to grow, for people to grow their own food is very important in terms of being able to eat, you know, from a, a basic um Food security perspectives. So that's a you know that we that we feel is a really important finding, particularly during the time of the pandemic, uh, when you know we know from other surveys and from reports from food banks and so on that there has been a significant spike uh, in levels of food poverty and food insecurity. Um, you know, it's, it's really significantly increased in Australia over the last uh, six to eight months, and with the you know the economic situation being what it is. That's anticipated to continue. Um, so, you know, for us, that's a really powerful reason to support our call to action, which is for much greater resourcing and support for this sector. Uh, and then the third aspect of the health um, is the mental health and well-being, which of course is another dimension of the pandemic, uh, particularly in times of lockdown, people experiencing um, isolation and loneliness and being disconnected socially from their social networks. And we asked people what difference um, uh, gardening activities made to their mental health and well-being, and over 70% said that it uh, was either extremely important to them. About a fifth of respondents said that gardening during the pandemic was extremely important to them from a mental health perspective, and that they would have literally struggled to make it through the pandemic and lockdown without access to their gardening spaces, or that it was very important to them and meant a great deal. Uh, so from a yeah from a mental health perspective, from a therapeutic perspective, uh, the results of this survey are really powerful evidence that 
access to growing spaces and and, and growing your own food and, and gardening uh, has a huge, uh, huge beneficial uh, effect in terms of mental health and well-being, both in terms of uh, you know, reducing negative emotions such as stress and anxiety and feelings of hopelessness and despair and also from the positive perspective in terms of, you know, enhanced sense of peace and relaxation and happiness and well-being. Mm. So those were, those, that set of findings was really important around health and well-being. Um, I guess other, other findings uh, relate to social connection. So just kind of picking up on that theme about social isolation and disconnection, particularly where People were growing either in their front garden or verge gardens or in community garden spaces. They uh, spoke and commented in quite some detail about how it brought people together, how it stimulated conversations, you know, over, over the fence conversations with neighbours, swapping tips, sharing produce, um, meeting new friends, uh, you know, all these kinds of things were, uh, were commented on in terms of gardening being a really great um, uh, opportunity and mechanism for really kind of bringing people together and 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 forging and establishing you know social bonds and and stronger communities. Mm. So that was another another really uh, important finding of the of the research. You're listening to BAU Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations, and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact, and transact. Your hosts, Patrick Beggs of Per Production a production house that works with organisations to create media that strengthens culture and communicates that culture to the world. And Joe Rogers, CEO of The Contenders, a brand agency famous for crafting brands which deliver results for those who work for them, shop for them and support them. For more information, head to baupod.co. And if you find this podcast insightful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to our conversations. Mm, what a rich data set you have there, Nick, and what a timely time to do it. Uh, it's, it's a, and thanks for a beautiful rundown and summary of that. I think a lot of people will benefit from an understanding of that and then also into the future of having that data set sitting there and really being able to drive home some of the, the cause and effect of what gardening can bring to an individual and a community. I was hoping what you want to bring from that into 2021 and into the future and what you're hoping to, I suppose, leverage from that and, and, and gain a bit of momentum into making some serious inroads into your mission. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. Um, I, guess, I guess the other thing that I, I, I should mention in terms of the findings was, and this relates to you know, answering your question about you know, where to from now and what next, um, of course, the you know we're, we're facing many crises at the moment, and the one that we encountered in Australia at the beginning of this year, uh, in a really stark way before COVID hit, was of course climate and, and climate change and the climate emergency with the extraordinary, unprecedented summer of, of bushfires. So, one of the other findings of the survey and, and an element that people really commented and reflected on was. Um, the potential of these kinds of activities in terms of urban greening, in terms of reducing the heat island effect, uh, you know, mitigating and adapting to, you know, the, the rapidly changing and, and warming and drying climate, um, you know, dealing with food waste, composting, um, you know, dealing with uh, the issue of biodiversity loss, creating habitats and spaces, spaces for other species in, in urban contexts and and I guess really at a kind of like a, a psychological, emotional, even perhaps spiritual level um, as, as gardeners and practitioners in this space, 
developing relationships with uh, with other species and and a, a sense of you know shared space and and stewardship and cohabitation. I think that's that's really important and powerful as well in terms of the you know the challenge of the times. I think um, you know not just for us in Australia but you know people everywhere is really to um, in the words of you know the great American um, ecological theologian Thomas Berry. Uh, as he put it in his book, uh, The Great Work, um, you know, the challenge for humanity at this time, and he was writing this in 1999, is to move uh, from a period of human devastation of the earth to a period when humans would be present to the planet in a mutually beneficial manner. And I think what, you know, he's, he's referring to there and, you know, many others uh, write and speak in a, a similar vein about, you know, this being a time of, a great transition, a, you know, need for a paradigm shift and for, you know, humans really to embrace, um, uh, you know, the fundamental ecological reality that we are, a, you know, a species and creature on this planet with, you know, myriad others and we're not separate or above or apart from it and we need to, you know, really internalise and, and understand what that, you know, fundamentally what that means. And... Uh, I guess in terms of, you know, our, you know, what our mission, our call to action, what next for us from this, uh, we feel that, you know, with the voices of these, you know, 9,140 Australians who responded to this survey that, uh, you know, enhancing and supporting the, uh, simple yet profound activity of, of gardening and people growing their own food is a really, important way to you know foster and enable and support that you know that fundamental shift and uh reordering of our priorities you know right right across society um you know in our you know structures and our governance and our politics and economy and in our culture um you know through through the expansion of, of of spaces of gardening and practices of gardening you know starting from young ages and and going right through, um, that can be a really uh, powerful and hugely beneficial way of supporting that uh, that necessary paradigm shift. So that's that's our you know fundamental mission. You know, we're talking about transformation here of you know food systems, but you know more broadly of economy and society. Um, uh, and you know that's what that's what we're you know that's the, what we've set ourselves. In the short term, we're working towards that with the third National Urban Agriculture Forum and then first ever Urban Agriculture Month, which is a, an open invitation to anyone across Australia who you know shares this vision and this passion to organise events, um, you know, backyard garden tours, workshops, um, you know, talks, meals, whatever it might be. Um, you know, to really uh, make a statement and, and raise the awareness and visibility of this sector. Um, the forum itself, uh, Care Gardening and Farming in the Climate Emergency, will be now an online event, um, which is, you know, great because it opens it up to participants right around the country and, you know, even right across the world um, to be involved. And we'll have a, you know, really with, you know, great program and range of call for presenters and papers out at the moment. Um, so yeah, asking everybody to get involved in that and, uh, and linked to the, you know, the survey itself and our, um, uh, you know, what we're calling from, uh, calling for from that. We've got a whole kind of like, um, roadmap for transformation, we call it, um, uh, a series of, um, a, you know, an action agenda with, uh, a number of, you know, a number of elements, 
um, the centrepiece of which is for the establishment of a national edible gardening fund to really support individuals and communities and groups across Australia to uh, expand what they're already doing and, and get involved. And that's, you know, that will be, we see that as needing to be backed up by a whole series of reforms in strategies and policies and planning frameworks and unlock, unlocking vacant land. And, um, you know, it's a whole kind of like, you know, um, uh, well thought through reform agenda that we've outlined in, in our report. Fantastic. And, and Nick, um, last question from me. I'm, I'm really interested in the kind of role of some of the things you're actually touching on with, with gardening in terms of actually how it actually builds community. And as part of the, the reforms that you're looking at, I mean, are you investigating the kind of the, the social role and the social cohesion that gardening actually creates? So, for example, whether that's about, um, you know, a multi, more multicultural and a more accepting society. So obviously understanding that part of um, part of the climate um, change and the climate emergency is also I think there's a social fabric component to that. So just wondering if you can share for um, our listeners, maybe the kind of um, how you view the role of gardening in kind of building uh, communities across Australia. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Joe. And uh, absolutely, you know, the the social dimension is um, is absolutely central to this. Um, one of the you know leading organisations that's been involved in this space in in Melbourne, you know, for many years is called Cultivating Community. And what they do is provide allotment gardening spaces for uh, culturally diverse residents in, in low-income housing estates around the inner, inner city areas. Uh, so, you know, that's an example of, um, uh, of, of uh, yeah, uh, how, how edible gardening activities can really, um, you know, foster that sense of, of community and social connection and, and access to, to culturally... Uh, to culturally appropriate foods, and yeah, we'd absolutely see this as um, as, uh, as as central to you know to the agenda that we're wanting to you know get support for and see see established. Um, another great example which I can point to, uh, which is actually a member organisation of Sustain, is called Food Next Door Cooperative, which is based up in Mildura, in the northwest part of Victoria, and they've had a, a fantastic. Um, collaboration going there between some local landowners with access to uh, to vacant land um, with uh, refugees from from Central Africa from from Congo and, and Burundi and a local food network who's um, you know brought these you know brought these two together and they've been growing culturally appropriate food and established a, a social enterprise that provides um, you know access to that land for the Burundian and Congolese migrants to you know grow their culturally appropriate crops, um, but also to uh, start a little business and, and to create employment and uh, training opportunities for themselves. So, you know, we see that as you know one example of, of the types of collaborations that that really uh, could be you know supported in a significant way. Um, you know, with the establishment of a fund and, and frameworks uh, around that. Um, uh, you know, and, and uh, there's so many. You know, there's so many opportunities. I mean, I, I had the privilege of being a, a Churchill Fellow uh, in 2014. I went to the Midwest of the United States, to Detroit, Michigan, Chicago. I went to Toronto and Canada, and then Argentina for a couple of months, and just met so many inspiring and amazing people doing doing wonderful things on you know vacant lots, abandoned car parks. 
uh, and and you know establishing really thriving urban farms, community gardens. Um, you know that that's always been my vision since then to make Australian towns and cities edible in the way that uh, people on Southside Chicago and and Detroit and and Northside Milwaukee uh, were doing. Um, so. So yes, yeah, so the yeah the the social and community aspect of this is um, is 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 going to be what sustains and drives and and inspires people absolutely. Hundred percent. Thanks so much, Nick. Let's make our cities edible and and continue to to build on this great work that you're doing. We look forward to staying up to date with with the frameworks that you're trying to implement on a policy level and a social level. It sounds like you're doing some some wonderful work. Here's to do twenty twenty one. Um, and in your court, let's see, hit a few. Thanks, uh, thanks very much, Patrick and, and Joe. And yeah, um, thanks very much for the opportunity to yeah share a bit of our work with your listeners. Thank you for listening to BAU Business as Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.